just kidding. Um, good morning. And yesterday we had our uh, first, or our, again, little ladies ministry meeting, and Jennifer did a great job and everything. And I just, and, I, and I'm, I don't hope I don't leave anybody out, but you know, Susan, I can't do anything without <laughs> without her. If you would have seen the spread on that table and how it was decorated, oh my gosh. Yes, beautiful. Her friend Kathleen and Alice and Leslie and Jackie and Mona and Jennifer. And then, you know, I'm a good farmhand. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, so I can clean. I'll do that. But it was very good and we honored Miss Virginia. It was pretty in pink and it was was our little kickoff because of her spirit and and things like that, and Jennifer used imagination, her imagination, and how, um, and I thought, you know what, she had it back then, and it's still going on today, creating and everything, and so what words came to my mind is uh, believe, imagine, daydream, create, manifest, you know, a lot of people in the Christian circles don't like to use the word that, or think that we have the power to create, but you know, we are a, a DNA of our Father, the Creator. So maybe y'all might like the word manifest, but it's really the same thing. But we have the power to create, and we have that power. You know, vision and imagination, kind of the same. You know, an artist could have a vision of something. You know, we see what we want, but he creates that with his imagination as he picks up the paint and starts drawing, and it starts coming out. And so when we do have mountains that we're facing in life and all those things, we can change that path and you know that song hell yeah it can go to hell because that's the thing is that it's not part of us people live in a hell right now because of fear because of the weight of the world of things going on and then that kind of gets our focus off and I just want to bring you back into daydream I have a thing at the salon it's in a little frame it says don't um don't lose your daydream you know and I was as a kid I was written up a lot because I'd sit there and just daydream. I probably had attention deficit. I know that now as an adult, but, you know, just kind of dreaming and that kind of thing. And that's, you know, at that little, at a little age, you know, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but um, probably the beach and now it's probably Disney, but, um, but, you know, I just want to encourage you that if you are facing anything, any kind of mountain, any kind of illness, you know, we met, I don't know if Jennifer's here, but she's going to have a great testimony when she, they just started coming. But I mean, when you talk to people and you see what they've gone through and then, you know, you think you're going through something, you think, oh, you know, and, but just encourage you to become that artist because God is the great creator. He is the great artist. And he has put that in us. We have him in us. So we have that same power in us to create. We believe what his word says when he speaks his word. You know, Abraham just believed God and it was accounted to him to righteousness. But he, when he walked up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, you know, he just had the word and he knew God would provide that ram on the other side. And we know we've heard that in our Christian circles. Oh, if you only knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd keep going. And that is true because, you know, God provided that. You just believe the word God has spoken to you. You see it in your mind. And then you start to imagine. You start to create. You start to daydream what you want, that end result. You know, it's not wrong to say when something's wrong. It's not. It might be a, a fact, but the truth is, that God's truth trumps our any 
fact that might come. And so we start believing that. We start creating that. And we start speaking that. You know, our heart and our mind connect. You know, it's one thing to speak. We don't don't say it out of repetition because it becomes just the Christian thing to do. But no, we actually believe that and we speak that from our heart. God's that put that word, that planted seed, and we start painting the picture. We start seeing it in our mind. And then it starts to become creation. And that's how manifestation comes. You know, so don't lose your daydream. Just start to imagine, start to create. God has given us that ability. He had it. He imagined you before you even knew you were you. You know, he knew every part of you, every deep, dark secret of you. He knows, and he wants to help you to start living that life in the garden that he created us to live. So anyway, I just thank you all for coming this morning. I know it's rainy and all of that, but I love the seasons, but I do love summer the best. So, anyway, what are we going to do now? Want me to preach? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Well, I'll read you. No. <laughs> no, I just wanted to encourage you guys. So, Oh, and our next one, Susan, we were talking, she was saying, is August. So, ladies, and I would like more of our ladies to come out because it's good. It's getting better and better. And, yeah, we get to know. Yeah. No, no, yeah, and Alice had all these hats, and they made, oh, they were so cute, they were, it was great, that's right, see, they were created, that's right, so just put August down, we don't have a date, but we're going to talk about it, August 5th, okay, we're keeping it simple, we're going to do like every quarter or something, we can't let the men's breakfast start out doing this now, so, that's not until September, oh, okay, Get your notebook. But it's fun. Yeah. We're going to have another men's breakfast in September. But I'm glad the ladies got to be with each other yesterday and share. And, um, it was great. And then Frank was helping me, and he gave me his knife, and that was a bad idea. <laughs> me and knives don't about cut my finger off yesterday. He said, that's a new knife. It's really sharp. <laughs> yep, it was really sharp. <laughs> We were trying to open a new box, a box for our new weed eater, and buddy, I sliced her open good. So I was walking down around with my finger bleeding, oh my God, <laughs> and there was a nurse in the house. Thank you, Jackie, for the sterile strips and all of that. And then uh, Joey said this morning, he said, well, you were under the blood. <laughs> in more ways than one, I was. I'm thankful. Um, you know, we really just want to talk about Jesus Every time we get together, we just want to talk about the beautiful story of Jesus, what he has done, what he is doing ongoing, and what is still to come, because there's still some things to come in your life, right? Yeah. I mean, are you praying for some things with expectation to see some things happen? So there are things to come. I love that song. When I, when I can only see it in part, I'm going to prophesy the promise. Because the promise is, he who began a good work in me will bring it unto, into completion. Now, he's finished the work, but he's doing a work in us so that he can do a work through us. Did you see that? He's finished the work for us. He's still doing a work in us, but he will do a work through us as well. And the, really the only way that we can see that is to look at his life, talk about him, see how he did it. Uh, I love what Matthew eleven twenty eight says. He says, watch me and see how I do it. And you will learn the unforced rhythms 
uh, of grace. I've been talking to a lot of my pastor friends this week. We had a great time with Pastor Mark Wallace on Wednesday night. What a teaching on uh, rock-solid ways to study the Scripture to find a revelation of Jesus. I love these guys. When I get around them, they're always pointing me to Jesus. They're always showing me a deeper revelation of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus is going to do. And so I felt stirred in my spirit after coming out of talking about the good news about the king already being here, the good news of the gospel, good news about the good shepherd, and good news about the benefits of the finished work, that we could keep talking about Jesus. Is that all right? So we're going to look at his ministry. Uh, Jesus' time on earth was characterized by spending time with and ministering to people. He was about people. His examples then of ministry point us to love, forgiveness, healing, and peace that came from the Father and the Father's heart. So in this series, The Ministries of Jesus, we're going to look at the ministries of Jesus outlined specifically in Luke the fourth chapter. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to Luke the fourth chapter. We're going to look at five ministries of Jesus specifically outlined. Did I say that right? Because I usually mess it up. Specifically. Pacifically is what I used to say. <laughs> like the Pacific Ocean. Healing, salvation, deliverance, mending, and the anointing. Pentecost Sunday is May 28th. We're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. It's for today. So we're going to start with the first ministry of Jesus, which was salvation. He said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if it was his ministry when he was on the planet, guess what our ministry is? To seek and to save the lost. To see salvation come to your house. Acts 16.31, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Well, the first thing he got wrong was you don't have to do anything to get saved. Jesus already did it all, so you believe. And it says there that Paul and Silas told him that if you will believe, that not only will you be saved, but your whole house will be saved. You know, if a child gets saved in the family, it's more likely that only 3% of the rest of the family will get saved. If the wife or the mother gets saved first, it's likely that only 17% of the rest of the family will be saved. But if a man leads the way and the father gets saved, it's more likely that 93% of the family will follow. Let's bring salvation to the house. Amen? Let's go after those that are living hell on earth. I'm going to pose a couple of questions. I may not answer them, but think about them. I want to provoke some thought in you. So I'm going to talk about what are we saved from and what are we saved for? What does that word saved even mean? Scripture tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ and that we represent the Father on the earth. And let's, so let's learn the ministries of the gospel from the greatest teacher of all. Are you ready? Luke 4. Now let me just give you a little background history. Some may have forgotten, some may not know, and maybe some of you know it better than I do. But Luke 3, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And it says that when he came out, I love Luke's rendition of this, he says that when Jesus came out of the water, that the heavens were rent. They were torn open. 
Do you know there's nowhere in Scripture that says that they've ever closed up? So there's not a closed heaven and the heavens aren't brass. You, have an, you live under an open heaven and it's just like the angels ascending and descending. Our prayers are ascending and his blessings are descending. The grace of God comes down as the praises of God go up. It's an open heaven. And under that open heaven, it said that the spirit descended as a dove, landed on Jesus, a voice from heaven spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that that happened twice? Did you know that? Not just at his baptism, but on the Mount of Transfiguration after Moses and Elijah had disappeared and only Jesus stood in all of his glory, a voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this time it is added, hear him only. Don't be listening to the law and to the prophets of the Old Testament. Hear him only, the words of grace. So then, it says that after he was uh, come up out of the water, the Spirit was on him, that verse 1, chapter 4, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. I just have to chase this rabbit. Lynn said this last night, and I loved it. You know, the children of Israel came out of Egypt by the blood. The blood was applied to the doorpost. The Red Sea is a symbol of baptism. They crossed through the sea as a symbol of baptism. After the blood and baptism, guess what the first thing they encounter is? The wilderness of sin. A lot of people, after (laughs) they hear the grace of God, they get saved and they're baptized, they're still going to confront sin. There's still going to be a season where they're testing the waters of that freedom. It's not that they're because of grace they're sinning more. It's because of grace their hearts have been revealed. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After that, he comes out of the wilderness and he's strengthened by the angels. In verse 16 of chapter 4, it starts like this. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, somebody underline that in your Bible and tell other people that it was Jesus' custom to go to church. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now for the Jews in that culture, every Friday evening at 6 p.m. till Saturday at 6 p.m. was the Sabbath. So Jesus made a habit of going to church. If you're watching online and you're not in church this morning, Jesus went to church. Be like your Savior. Go to church on Sunday. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now here we go into this outline of the five ministries of Jesus. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to mend or heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who were oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the acceptable year of the Lord is not a year. It's, we have been in the acceptable day of the year ever since the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's a perpetual Sabbath now that is ongoing. His favor is profusely abounding always. So his first ministry was salvation, to proclaim the good news to the poor. Salvation. Salvation, he said, was to, he was coming to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know it's even in his name? Salvation is in his name. Matthew, the first chapter, verse 21, 
says, and she shall bring forth her son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua. And he will save his people from their sin. Underline or circle that word save. It's the Greek word sozo. It means to deliver out of danger and into safety. Sin and it's all your trespasses, well, the wages of it were going to lead to death. That's dangerous. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So he was redeeming us. He was, uh, last week when we talked about the finished work and the benefits, he has redeemed my life from destruction. Sozo, he saved me from de and delivered me out of danger, but he just didn't save me out of something. He saved me to something. And he saved me into his safety. Now, it took me a long time, 38 years actually, to understand, come to grips with, and believe that I was secure, safe, that he just didn't save me out of that danger for me to wander around on my own to accidentally trip and fall back into that danger, that he saved me out of it to bring me into his safety, his provision. That's what the word salvation, it means that soteria. It means welfare, prosperity, deliverance, rescue. Now those are all biblical definitions. That's not Webster's defining that. That's the Thayer's Greek lexicon that tells us what these words mean in the scripture from the original Greek. To be saved was to be rescued. So God rescued you he rescued me from the penalty and the power of sin. That's good news. But he, not just, he just didn't bring us out of that to leave us on our own. He brought us into that provision and welfare. Anybody thankful you've been rescued? Look at his name in the Hebrew, Yahshua. It's Joshua who was a deliverer, who was a savior. It means Yahweh saves. And then Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation. There's no welfare, prosperity, deliverance, and rescue in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be what? Saved, rescued, delivered. Anybody remember the Pharisee Nicodemus? Nick at night. If you have kids, you've watched Nickelodeon and it's Nick at night. So Nick comes to Jesus by night. In chapter 3, there's a, there's a dialogue that goes on. There's a lot of scripture that people have memorized. You know, John 3, 3 is a good one. John 3, 16, 17, people have memorized that. But as he gets into this discussion with Jesus about seeing the kingdom, look at the answer that Jesus gives in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, underline that word, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Does there any mention of hell there? So there's no fear that has to be placed on someone to discuss with them the born again procedure that this really means born from above or born of above. Born again literally from above. It's the regeneration. 
It's the new birth. You know the discussion, John or Nicodemus says, how can a man enter in his womb a second time? And Jesus said, it's not a born of flesh, it's born of the spirit. This is a spiritual rebirth. So in talking to some of my friends this week and listening to what their comments were, um, I want to read something to you <laughs> from one of them. John said, talking about John here, that Jesus was dying for the sins of the world. Jesus said he was entering the judgment of the world. Paul said Jesus was reconciling the world to God by not counting men's sins against them. Peter said we were born of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which is Jesus, both the seed and the word in the Gospels. So, watch this, so all sin and thus all men were in Christ, dead, buried, and then resurrected. We are now invited to reconcile ourselves to both God and to, his, and to the knowledge of God. When we repent and convert, we enter the times of refreshing. That's what Paul said, or Peter said, nights. Until the time of restoration of all things. So we enter our refreshing, which Jesus accomplished, but someday he restores all things. This is both a done deal and an ongoing deal. So thus humanity was regenerated at the cross. That's where the rebirth took place. And I entered into that regeneration when I believed and was baptized. So it was something that took place. I'm going to talk more about this in just a second. But it's also something that you enter into. Here's one last analogy. Jesus is the seed that went into the ground and died to bring forth much fruit. He died as Adam, so Adam is gone. What remains is the new Adam. So I can choose to live eternal life in Adam, quality of life, here, or I can live as a dead man in my sins and trespasses. So the work has been done. You have been regenerated, but you have a choice whether you live in it or not. Whether you access the benefits of that and walk in that. I thought that was powerful, Pastor Paul White. Titus chapter 3. Go with me to Titus. We're still on regeneration. It is when God came down to the site of the worst disaster in the universe and completely eradicated deadly toxic elements that had begun to cause man to live in hell on earth. That's what regeneration is. He completely removed and eradicated all the deadly toxic elements that had begun to cause us as humans to live hell on earth. And Titus 3.5 says it this way, He saved us, not because of works by us and our righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit that was accomplished at the cross. Jesus did the work, and then the Holy Spirit renews us through His power. So the word regenerate is equivalent to the restoration of all things. It is the passing from death to life. You can amen anytime you want to. It is the becoming of a brand new creature in Christ. It's the renewal of the mind. It's the resurrection from the dead and it is to be quickened or made alive. 
Those are all terms synonymous with regeneration. It is the new birth into the kingdom of God, whereby which we become take become partakers of His divine nature. This was the first ministry of Jesus to proclaim good news of the new birth. You didn't die to enter into the kingdom. He did that. You are born into it. To be saved is to be born from above, regenerated, and to acknowledge what God has done for you through Christ, accepting that new birth. Remember I told you on Easter, His death certificate was your birth certificate. <laughs> so the process of saving, redeeming, Rescuing us from the penalty and the power of sin all took place at the cross. It's not something that takes place when you pray a prayer or believe. When you believe, you are acknowledging and stepping into that. So that you were regenerated at the cross and you are regenerated when you believe and are baptized. It can be both at the same time. It doesn't have to be either or. Colossians, the, third, or the first chapter says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself by Christ, whether those things were on the earth or whether those things were in heaven, having made peace through the blood of Christ's cross. And you, raise your hand, and you, who once, when, once were alienated and enemies in your mind, how were we alienated and enemies of God in our mind? Through our wicked works. Trying to perform and keep those rules and those regulations. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has... Reconciled. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're reconciled. God has reconciled all things and all people to himself. Where did he do that at? At the cross. Go to Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 10. Now we're talking about the ministry of Jesus to seek and to save the lost, redeem, rescue, regenerate, and reconcile. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When did he reconcile us? At the cross, when we were enemies in our own mind and alienated from God. See, because we, we've been taught that we were separated from God because of sin. But he never left us. He came. The precedent is set when Adam, the first man, sins. It does not separate him from God. Where does he think he's separated from God at? In his own mind. He goes and separates himself and hides. But God comes looking for him and God redeems him. God did the work to clothe Adam and Eve as Jesus did at the cross, reconciling all things, both in heaven and earth, to God through his blood. It was through the death of his son that he did this. Now much more, having been reconciled, we will be saved, how? By his life. By his life. He, he, the word uh, re reconcile is an exchange. 
There's an exchange that take, takes place. You remember the scripture that says, he who knew no sin became sin, so who we, we who were sinners could become the righteousness of God. So there was an exchange. He took our robes of unrighteousness and he gave us his robes of righteousness and reconciled us to himself. I hope this is on the screen. All things and all people have already been reconciled. Now, please understand, I personally believe, this is me, that through Scripture, that all have been reconciled, that we are all children of God. A matter of fact, just stay with me, Peter stands up on Mars Hill, and he begins to say, we are all God's offspring. Do you know who they were worshiping on Mars Hill? It wasn't Yahweh. It wasn't Jehovah Jireh, Yahshua. They were worshiping pagan gods, but yet he stands up and declares we are all God's offspring. I don't know what you do with that other than the belief that all have been reconciled to God and that we are all children of God. I didn't say that we were all saved. You have to make it, you step into believing that you are the offspring of God, the sons and daughters of God, and you accept and receive the benefits of having that relationship with the Father. Or like I read from Paul, you choose to have a life of destruction that ends up as hell on earth and no quality of life here on the planet. Jesus proclaimed that this is what he came to do. Now we can look back through the corridors of scripture and history and we get to live on this side of the cross and we get to see that he did what he said he would do. Now those that he was speaking to when he is proclaiming this verbally in the physical sense on the planet, they just had to trust and believe. They didn't know it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. And even some didn't even understand when he was crucified and buried that that's what he was talking about. Even after his resurrection, some said, well, give me proof. I want to touch him. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. We can see through the pages of Scripture what he did. And we can believe that. And when we do believe that we've been reconciled and reconcile our minds to that, and we see the cross and the resurrection, we step into, like I talked about last week, the benefits. We access the kingdom of God. We enter into it in our, the knowledge of what he has done when we believe. So then, how are we saved? Go to Ephesians, the second chapter. Why are you telling me this? Jamie, because the ministry that Jesus had is now the ministry that you have. Can I specifically speak to those who call me your pastor and attend Grace Life Church? Are we doing that? Are we taking what we hear? Are we going into the public places, the marketplace? Are we sharing the good news of what God has done for us? Are we seeing salvations and healings and miracles taking place? It's quiet and it should be. 
and that's not a rebuke. That is, I'm asking a question to thought provoke that we can get people into the kingdom of God for such a time as this because it is the acceptable year. Today is the day of salvation. How are we saved? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Stop right there. For by grace, through faith. Let's talk about the by grace part. Okay, By grace, you have been saved. Grace is the objective part of the gospel. It is not affected or influenced by your personal beliefs or feelings. doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Christ died for you. And it doesn't change whether you believe it or not. His blood was shed for you. He poured out... He, Lisa's been talking to me about this. I hope she can share it someday because she'll do a whole lot better than I. He gave his life for you. No man took his life. He willingly as a friend gave his life for you and to you. You can't change that. That was his will. That was his decision. He carried it out. It is what God did through Christ and you and I nor anyone can change that. It's a radical reconciliation. Did you hear that? It's radical. He restored, He redeemed, He reconnected, He rescued us at the cross. God did not do this when you ask Him to. He did it all by Himself. Hebrews said that God swore an oath to Himself. And that the God-man, Jesus, who both represented God and man, made a covenant with himself and shed his blood for you, it's his grace. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It's unmerited. And it's his favor that is on us. Amen. The Greek word reconciled, like I said, is actually exchanged. By grace, now here's the second part, through faith. The by grace part isn't going to change. It's for all men. It's all inclusive. He died for all and as all. But through faith is subjective. It's subject to what you believe and feel. It's the subjective part of the gospel and reconciliation. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. Now you make a choice whether you're going to be reconciled to God or not. It is actually when you begin to release in earth what he accomplished on the cross. It's here waiting for you. Actually, it's in you, but you don't actuate it. You don't access it. You don't activate it in the earth till you release through faith you believe it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says it this way. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. So he reconciled everyone at the cross through Jesus to himself. But Paul says, as ambassadors then, as God was imploring through us to you, be reconciled. You need to make a choice through faith to accept what Jesus did at the cross. Am I preaching? That's why many are still unbelievers. We use the terminology Jesus even did lost. 
without Christ. They have not been awakened to it. Well, maybe someone's not ever shared the good news with them of what Jesus has already done for them. And they think it's too hard because church said that you had to do X, Y, and Z. And if you did X, Y, and Z, and you condemnly did X, Y, and Z, then you would be qualified to be a believer. But Jesus already did the work. That, are we sharing that with people? Uh, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, Billy Graham. I think it doesn't matter what denomination you are, you would have to agree that his ministry and through his ministry has seen millions come to Christ. He was effective. But listen to his words about evangelism. Evangelism is not telling people how lost they are. Evangelism is how telling people how loved they are. So Christ's ministry is our ministry. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? That means that we are his diplomatic agents of the highest rank sent to represent King Jesus and we are authorized to speak on his behalf. We are the voice of heaven in the earth. Hello, ambassadors. You have the diplomatic authority to speak for the king. But what are you speaking? Are we telling people how lost they are and how hot hell is? People see, they hear that, especially out there in uh, Facebook land. What you hear is, Jamie doesn't believe in hell. That's not what I said at all. But I don't tell, have to tell you how hot hell is and how lost you are. That's not good news. The good news is, look what Jesus has already done for you. Okay? Tell them how loved they are. Because everyone is looking for love. And all the wrong, I mean, what's the great song? Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, try Jesus. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has invested us with royal power through the name of Jesus and through the authority of his blood. So you're reconciled, but you have no authority or right to use the name or the blood until you've believed and you believe, I'm going to reckon myself just as God says that I am. And when I reconcile that, that's an accounting term that says this ledger says this is what he has done for me. And then I go through, yep, yep. Yep, I believe that. Yep, I believe that. And so I reconcile myself to all of what he has already done for me. Then I become an ambassador of that and I begin to share that with everyone that I come in contact with. Uh, we should be praying every morning, Lord, help me to find that one that's lost. That lonely one, that one that is looked over, left out, a, a social outcast. Let me seek them out and share with them the love of Christ. We have been commissioned to carry out the message of Christ to the world. And this message is this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Turn to him. Frank, if you'd come. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, Paul said. Watch this. This is the ministry of opening up doors for people into a brand new way of life. Yes. 
that's what it means to reconcile people. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Darius feels that is God hates him because of things that he's done in his past, that he's without God and he's far from God. The ministry of reconciliation is for me who has, I have reconciled myself to the fact that he has reconciled me. So I want to open up the door for Darius into this brand new life to show him how much God loves him and how much he has done for him. That's the ministry of reconciliation. It's a kingdom assignment. Dr. Lynn House said this week, it's my kingdom assignment not only to tell people that they need to be saved to go to heaven, but they are saved to bring heaven to earth. <laughs> we have a mandate from heaven. It's our kingdom purpose on earth. We have an official order of commission to do something. The authority to carry out a course of action to introduce people to a loving God. It's not that we have moments of reconciliation. Reconciliation is our mandate, it is our message, and it is our ministry. It's the heart of the gospel. Now, just share my heart. Yeah, I, I get burdened sometimes. Maybe that's not the right word. God doesn't put burden on us. I put it on myself. But I want to see people come to the saving knowledge of what God has done for them. I have a desire to see people, whether that's in the streets, on the job, people bringing friends and neighbors and loved ones to church where they hear a message of grace and they accept that. Um, haven't been seeing that a lot of grace life that concerns me so I have to share my heart to say we have a ministry of reconciliation we have an assignment a kingdom mandate to share good news everywhere we're going everywhere we are telling people what God has done for you hey I got saved when I was seven, but you know God has done a lot of things for me since I was seven years old that I can testify about. How about you? He's helped me through storms. He's gotten me through battles. Uh, sick kids, dying mother. I mean, I, he's helped me through a lot. Gave me a lot of blessings. Still pouring out blessings on me that I can't contain. I ought to be telling somebody about that got to tell somebody he has released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment that on your behalf you would dwell in his presence and his presence would abide in you as you stand to your feet listen to this it's supernatural peace that passes all understanding that has been given to you through the cross. It's now that nothing stands between you and the Father. There's no blockades. Nothing's blocking what stands between you and the Father because Jesus took care of that. He removed the middle wall of partition that stood between God and man in our own minds. 
The Father sees you as holy and flawless and blameless and without indictment. There are no records of your wrongdoings. You're a brand new creation. The old has vanished. Now this would include your identity, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works that of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely brand new by our union with Christ and an indwelling Holy Spirit. That's what God did for you at the cross through Jesus. We ought to be telling somebody, we have the ministry of salvation. It was the ministry of Jesus. I mean, let me go back and read what we said at the beginning. His time on earth was characterized by ministering to people. His example of, the, of his ministry points to the love, the forgiveness, the healing, and the peace that come from the Father's heart. We have the ministry. We are ambassadors and representatives of the Father to share love, forgiveness, healing, and salvation with everyone we come in contact with. I'm trying to be a coach this morning and stir us up and uh, motivate us that when we step out of the four walls of this building, uh, it's cliche, but we, we are the church. Together, collectively, not individually, together. We are the body of Christ. Uh, let's turn our city upside down, or right side up, actually. Let's turn it right side up. There are 3,000 people in Culloden. That's the demographic of Culloden. There's 3,000 people. Some of them are out these Turkey Creek and different hollers and stuff out here. Virginia Street behind us runs out here onto Route 60 through Hurricane and Culloden. 3,000 people. I wonder how many of them don't have a home church, have never heard the gospel, how much Jesus loves them. say Lord give us 10% uh, he wants he's not willing that any should perish give, give them all to us Lord well, I pray for 10% <laughs> and I'm not talking about filling up our church if God does that that's wonderful but I'm talking about people coming to Christ because they have never heard the gospel they've never heard, heard the good news so I hope that stirs and motivates you it did me when I started looking at it. The ministries of Jesus. Anything you want to add to that? See your wheels turning. Good. Amen. I don't know if there's anybody watching. Maybe there's someone under the sound of our voice today that you've not been reconciled. God's reconciled you to himself, but you have not reconciled yourself with that fact. Do you believe that this morning? Pray a prayer. Or not pray a prayer if you believe. Do you know where you believe at? In your heart. You confess it from your mouth. What do you confess? That God raised Jesus from the dead. And you shall be saved. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for saving us, rescuing us, delivering us. I like the way David said it. You pulled me out of the miry clay and you put my feet on the rock to stay.
You've crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies. You redeem my life from destruction. And I'll bless you for that. And I want to tell everybody I come in contact with how good you have been to me. That we're blessed and highly favored and deeply loved. That you accomplished all of that for us at the cross in Jesus' name. 